The second round of consultation on adoption law reform is now open for public consultation. The new legislation will replace the 1955 Adoption Act, which has been regarded as outdated. However, there is no guarantee these reforms will be retroactive, which leaves 100,000 adopted New Zealanders with no answers. One of those is an expert in the field of adoption and author of Tree of Strangers, Barbara Sumner. And Barbara joins me now. Good morning. Good morning. Tell me, how do you feel that the review won't address past adoptions? There's no guarantees any changes will be retroactive. We don't know for sure whether that whether it won't, but there is no guarantee in the in the document that you've just mentioned. It's very um, ambiguous. There are a couple of points where they say um, that they will seek some judicial review in the future about one of the very key points that many adopted people, adopted adults, are very um, uh, feel are the most important, such as access to the documents that are held on us. Why do you think they're reluctant to make it retroactive? I think it's a very good question, and I don't know the answer. I mean, I have some, I have obviously ideas about why, but I don't know why. In 2000, the government tasked the Law Commission with reviewing the Adoption Act, and they did some really amazing, solid work on that. The document that they created was um, really outlined many of the issues that adopted adults face. And the Law Commission has decided, has chosen not to go back to, excuse me, the um, Ministry of Justice have decided not to go back to the Law Commission. So they are, they're not seeking that advice that really should, is where they should be going to get that advice. Mm, the secrecy, the lack of access to information, Barbara, what has been the impact of that on you? Well, I mean, I'm just like many people where you know, all of us have a desire, all human beings want to know where they come from. We, we talk about um, ancestry and looking and in, looking into that past into our past his family histories it's considered to be depending on where you look the second biggest hobby in the world which mm. is you know putting together family trees and they say it's second only to porn I don't know if that's true <laughs> but it's certainly everybody I know is interested in that but the people who are adopted are not expected to have that same interest they're not allowed that same right and yes, you can use DNA and find your family, but for, not for everyone, but for many, but also, but that when you do find them, that family is entirely social. You have no legal right to them. And reunion is a very fraught thing. We love those TV shows and, you know, shows around people reuniting with their families, but they're so shallow. They don't talk about, you know, you've lost... You have no shared culture. You don't have, you've missed the entire family culture. The kind of relationship you have isn't what you would have had, had adoption not separated you. Barbara, can I ask what efforts you've gone to to try and access your own birth information? Oh, <laughs> it's a really good question. Um, I started in 1983 writing to the social welfare at the time. And I received back from them letters that just said, we don't know anything. We can't find anything. There is no record. And it always seemed very strange to me that something as momentous as removing a person's identity, mm. severing it completely and creating a new one would have no paper trail. We got to um, 
you know, then we got the 1985 um, Adult Adoption Information Act, which I always say is very misnamed because it provides for uh, a copy of a supposed original birth certificate and nothing else. That birth certificate is endorsed with the names and, and full details of the adopting parents, but not the second birth certificate you get, the um, the one that the, um, the Ministry of Justice call essentially ornamental, excuse me, um, a, a legal fiction. Mm. It's essentially ornamental as your first birth certificate. Um, that is not endorsed in the same way. So I got hold of that. Um, and then I continued to try and access the files that I knew that the Ministry of Justice held, plus um, internal affairs through births, deaths and marriages, hold another document that anybody who is not adopted can pay $25 for. And that's called a long-form birth certificate. Um, and that holds a lot of information. It can have your grandparents' names on it. It can have siblings' names. Okay. It can have the name of the person who registers your birth. Now, you can pay $25 for that, but an adopted person has to wait until their adopting parents have died, their natural parents have died, so they have to know and be able to prove that their natural parents are dead, or they turn 120. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's quite quite strange, really, isn't it? That's incredible. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I'm taking you, you haven't been able to access that? Um, I have been able to access that because the, oh, excuse me, there's one other way, and that's you can go to court and get a court order. And this is the famous thing within adoption communities we talk about. It's the S23, right. which is Section 23 of the Adoption Act. And it enables you to go to court and make an application, make an affidavit, go to court to have your, um, your file released to you, all your documents released to you. But the only way you do that is by making what is called a special reason. And a special reason isn't really defined in law. Um, it's only in the Adoption Act, and it's really up to the judge on the day whether they think your reason is special enough. And I've, through uh, a friendly judge, I've managed to access a number of um, judgments, minutes from judges over the years, uh, adopted people attempting to get their files, and things like mm, uh, terminal illness of the mother, uh, wanting to find her child before she dies, that's not a good enough reason and not special enough. Um, an adopted person with a terminal illness, a hereditary illness in a family, none of these are special reasons. Mental well-being is not a special reason. Um, so it's, ve it's very difficult. I was able to come up with a reason that hadn't been used before. So, of course, if they also have precedent. So if your special reason has come before the courts in the last 67 years and been turned down, you can't, you're not, it's not acceptable now. Gosh, so Barbara, I was able to. Mm -hmm. oh, sorry, I was just going to say, you know, Barbara, there's a lot of people who wouldn't be, have the resources to be able to go through this process. Would there? It's not so much the financial because you can, you know, do an affidavit mm. and often a friendly a friendly lawyer will sign that for you, witness that for you at no cost. But but it is it's a huge emotional toll because at every turn you are being pushed back. Particularly most adopted people think that they should just go to Oranga Tamariki and get those files. So I'm in a situation now. So I went to court. I was successful. I had three possible birth dates 
And my argument, I argued that it was everybody's right to know when they're born. And it happened to have not come up before in the last 67 years. So I was able to access my files. Um, I, I managed to get what was held by Internal Affairs and what was held by the Ministry of Justice, which was deeply fascinating, very interesting. I mean, maybe 30 documents, mm. uh, doctor's reports and all kinds of small details. And Oranga Tamariki also uh, hold adoption files and they opened some of theirs to me and they chose to then use the Privacy Act to redact a number of my documents. And so I've gone back to try and have those opened now. Remember now, it's now I started this in 1983 and this is just ongoing right now. And they've used a um, court case from 1982 to withhold my these files but that court case is about a woman a mother going to a solicitor to gain her files and that those files were then judged to be private property because they contain details of adopters so this is a, a crown entity who's who are now using really what appears to be an anomalous reason to continue to withhold files from me Oh my goodness. So so I've got to ask, have you identified who your birth parents are? Oh, I have. Um, I'm too late for my father, unfortunately. He died at night. He died five years ago and he was 92. Had I been able to access my files many years earlier, we would have perhaps been able to meet. Um, and well, the story with my mother was a little different. She was on her way to New Zealand. She she lived overseas and we made a connection and she was on her way to meet me, but she had an accident on the way and didn't get here. Oh, Barbara, so I was so killed sorry. on her way. Oh, Barbara, I'm so That's sorry. That's okay. Goodness me. But, but I, why is accessing this information about your birth parents so important to you and others adopted? I think it is that question. We all have a right to know where we come from. And it's all about whose rights matter here because... The law says that you are, as an adopted person, that you are as if born to your adopters and that they are as if you are to them as if they had given birth to you. So the law absolutely denies that you have a biological heritage. It says that you are what is called nullis filis, which is the child of no one. And they then give you new parents. But of course, we all, we all come from somewhere. And, I mean, I had to give birth to, the, to my first daughter to meet someone I was related to. It's a, I think it's hard to understand if you take just as a normal part of your life that you belong within your family. Maybe you have the same earlobes or, you know, you have the same laugh or the same humour or you have a skill that a great aunt had or, you know, all of these things. None of them are in an adopted family. And that doesn't mean that that adopted family is bad. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's, I always like to say this is not about good or bad adoption. It is about the ways in which adopted people are treated differently, are discriminated against in ways that non-adopted uh, would never consider. Because the rights of children versus the rights of parents, then it's not balanced, is it? Well, it's not. And of course, we're children for such a short time. 
we become adults very quickly. And this is the only, the Law Commission said that adoption, the Adoption Act was not welfare. It was more akin to uh, property law. But it's, this is the only contract that we have in this country that the person who is an object and subject, but not a party to it, who is non-consenting, has no right to end that contract. So something that was there for in place for your care has to last your entire life and into your descendants because they also have had their heritage removed. Barbara, thank you so much for talking to us and sharing your story with us today. Obviously, the second round of consultation on adoption law reform is now open for public consultation. If you do want people to step forward and share their stories and have their say, where do they head to? Do you know? Yes, if you go on to the um, uh, Ministry of Justice, just put Ministry of Justice um, Adoption Law Reform and you'll find that there's a, a very easy process. Um, you're able to answer a huge number of questions, which is a great thing because you do get to have your say. The One of the concerns that we have, though, of course, is that really the ministry should have gone back to the um, Law Commission and used their legal expertise rather than asking adopted people to weigh in on what, I mean, we should have a say in it, but we have to understand things like succession law, Privacy Act, Official Information Act, and most of us don't have a clue about those things. Barbara, thank you so much. Really good to talk to you. That was Barbara Sumner. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.